Welcome to the Falling Skies Cast, the first podcast dedicated to Falling Skies on TNT. Hello, welcome back to the Falling Skies Cast. I'm Jimmy and Georgia, your host. And uh, once more, I am here alone. My host Jimmy is away at work yet again. And I really shouldn't put this off any longer. It is Thursday already, and we have another episode coming out in just a few days. So I know I have to go ahead and get this podcast recorded and uploaded. So you have me alone once more, and I'm sorry about that. But hey, we're going to have a new podcast, so that's always fun. We're going to talk about Sanctuary Part 2, the latest episode of Falling Skies. The best show of the summer by far. And this was an excellent episode. It had some of my favorite moments of the show thus far, even. And uh, we're going to jump into all that talk really quickly here. Um, But first, like we usually will do, we're going to start off the show with a little bit of Falling Skies News. From the Falling Skies Cast Studios, it's the Falling Skies News with Jimmy and Emmy. And most of the news was pretty much related to Comic-Con, which we shared the audio of that yesterday for all of your listening pleasure. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed listening to that and hearing some of the input and insight into the, you know, this is first season as they look forward to season two um, as they are preparing for that. One thing I put on Twitter and Facebook was my favorite quote of the entire panel, and that was, Noah Wiley said, I've never been described as a well-armed Kenny Loggins before. And I thought that was pretty great. And um, we talked about a few other things really briefly yesterday. I introduced the audio from the panel. And I don't know, I was just glad that we were able to share that with you guys and gals. And I hope you enjoy listening to it. And we're going to... I mean, there's some other Falling Skies news as far as ratings go. The ratings this week were still over 4 million. It's kind of holding pretty steady, I feel. That's you know good news as far as I know. Um, obviously, TNT's happy with how things are going since the show has been renewed. And it's coming back next season. And so we're looking forward to that already. And so... I guess that's pretty much going to be all for the news right now. Um, the biggest, the other, only other news I can think of really is that we have one episode Sunday, and then we have the two-part season finale on August the 7th. As far as I know, that will be from 9 to 11 on TNT here in America and then other times and other stations around the world. And hope that you will tune in for that. I'm sure it's going to be a good one um, as we start to amp up for that finale. All right, well, we're going to jump into some of our other segments that we like to have here on the show. And the first one of those is going to be the Pope Quote of the Week. It's time for the Pope Quote of the Week. And uh, this Pope Quote of the Week comes from right after Pope escapes from the clutches, if you will, of Clayton and his gang of weirdos dealing with the skitters. And he runs off into the woods outside of the camp and he finds a couple of dead fighters. And uh, that's going to be our Pope Quote of the Week here. Um, so, enjoy. Looks like these two won't make it back to the second mass anytime soon. Civilization. You gotta love it. All right, well, we're back from the Pope Quote of the Week, and it is time for This Week in History. All right, in the episode where Mike uh, is being buried and have his funeral, Tom talks about... If this were a proper military funeral, someone would be playing taps. 
and says that a bugler song from the Civil War that was used to signify the end of a day's work in a way it was a lullaby to tell the soldiers all was well and it was safe to rest. And just further, some more information about that song. The song Taps is also known as Butterfield's Lullaby, or Day is Done, a lyric in the second verse. Um, it actually was used as a nightly song um, for Lights Out. It was used in flag ceremonies and starting back in 1862, it started to be used in funerals by Captain John Tidball. And he started that practice during the Civil War and soon it kind of spread that custom. And by 1891, it was pretty much a standard part of a U.S. military funeral. And so, thanks to Tom Mason, that is This Week in History. All right, we're going to get into probably my favorite part of our little podcast. That is Falling Skies and Pop Culture. Falling Skies and Pop Culture. Okay, well this one, we're going to start off. And uh, Sarah, the pregnant lady, who had her little baby girl in the show this week, says she was planning to work at home as an interior designer and mentioned having meetings over Skype. Skype is that software that lets you chat, uh, make voice and video calls over the internet. Uh, It's been around actually since 2003, and earlier this year, Microsoft purchased it for $8.5 billion. I'm not really sure why or what they plan to do with it, but that is a lot of money. All right, well, that's part one of Falling Skies and Pop Culture. Part two, Loudris plays a piano when they go to the house or hiding from Clayton's man, which I really think was strange. You're trying to hide. Is it a good idea to play music to draw attention to yourself? I don't think it was, but she did. And she said it was one of her favorite songs. And it was a song called Once in Royal David City, which is actually a Christmas song. It's a Christmas carol, if you will. It was originally a poem back in the 1840s. And eventually um, was turned into a song. It refers to Bethlehem, which is the place of, of King David and Jesus. And there are many versions of the song. Um, a couple of popular ones over the years were by the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, Mary Chapin Carpenter, and uh, there's others, including even a band like Jethro Tull. And I have the lyrics to the song. I figured, hey, might as well share a verse or two. Um, I think we'll just share the verse, two verses that I have. I actually have six verses. So I don't think we should read the whole thing, but I'll share the first two verses here. It says, Once in royal David's city stood a lowly cattle shed where a mother laid her baby in a manger for his bed. Mary was the mother mild, Jesus Christ her little child. He came down the earth from heaven, who is God and Lord of all, and his shelter was a stable, and his crater was a stall. With the poor and mean and lowly lived on earth our Savior holy. Well, that is... As you can tell, it is definitely a Christmas carol, and um, I guess this is sort of our Christmas episode. We've already had our Thanksgiving episode, where they had our um, Thanksgiving meal and prayer time, and so now we've had our, our Christmas episode here in, in the middle of July. So, all right, we're going to move on to our next part of Funny Guys and Pop Culture, and that is Jimmy and Matt are playing the game of Battleship. And Jimmy sinks Matt's battleship, and he even says the famous line, I can't believe it, you sunk my battleship. And uh, most of us probably know that as the Milton Bradley board game. But actually, um, they introduced the game back in 1931. They called it Broadsides, the game of naval strategy. But they actually kind of stole the idea from a guy named Clifford Van Wickler, who had invented the game in the early 1900s. Um, it was just a pencil and paper strategy game, but it was never patented. And uh, interesting side note, they are planning a feature film version of this board game 
because they're making a feature film out of everything. Um, and it is set to be released May of 2012. Um, one other thing that is not necessarily a direct reference, but while they were playing the game of Battleship, Matt guesses um, G4, which is a, a television network, so may or may not be a reference there, but hey, I'll throw it in here. Because uh, I'm sure we miss things from time to time. And if we do, please, please let us know if, if we um, overlook something in our Falling Skies and Pop Culture segment, because it's definitely possible. Because I honestly feel right now like I've missed something. Like I have something in the back of my head. Wait, I didn't talk about that. I don't remember anything else right now, but I think there might have been at least one more reference. But anyway, we're going to move on. And uh, this go-round, I decided after last week's episode, I missed a recap. I like actually mentioning things throughout the whole episode. And I do make little comments here and there. I felt like I missed that. I really did. I, I like the Falling Skies 5. And I think we're going to stick with that and kind of pick out the five most pivotal moments and kind of discuss those a little bit. But I like having a recap too. So I'm, I don't know. I still am not very good at doing that very briefly. <laughs> I need to work on that because it, it tends to be pretty detailed. But I do think we're going to go ahead and get into a Falling Skies recap. Followed up with the Falling Skies 5, which will be the five most pivotal moments of the show. It's time for the Falling Skies recap, part of the show where we recap Falling Skies. Okay, well, Jimmy's running in dramatic fashion. It looks like it's something crazy, but it's just a soccer game. With all the young people there at the sanctuary. And Tessa, one of the young ladies from there, has a thing for how, just like every other girl on the show. Of course, there aren't many eligible older teen men or boys, or whatever you'd like to call them around since most of them have been harnessed or killed and most of the other men are old so i can kind of see where the young ladies would have uh, attracted towards a young man versus some of the older men so i guess that's maybe why but hal is quite the ladies man and tessa's dad basically you know why they're here don't get too attached or whatever um and warns him about that because we, we already know there's definitely some bad intentions here and we do see there too matt is already missing daddy Okay, we go over back to the high school. The second mass is ready to fight and to evacuate. Sarah is expected to have her baby within the next two days. Um, Weaver's really hoping that she can wait until they get moved out before she has the baby. And we learn here that Weaver did have two daughters. And I noticed um, several weeks ago we mentioned it when they were playing that song. Um, I can't think of the name of the song right now, but he was looking at a picture of a a kid had drawn a thing and it had Sophie on there and I was like well maybe they reminded him of his daughter or something um but here we do we have confirmed he has he has a daughter so that's a good thing um and we see here Maggie is going to watch after the pregnant lady which is good stuff and then later on we definitely learn more about Weaver his daughters and wife and some other stuff that goes on so I think that's kind of an interesting thing and that's one of the things uh, I wanted to include here in the recap because if I had just done the Falling Skies 5 that would have totally been left out. Because, I mean, that was an interesting thing. I like to hear more about Weaver, but it's not exactly the most pivotal moment of the show. So, again, that's one of those things I like to talk about. So we see that Mike did not go back to the second mass. Tessa is making vegetables. She's boiling asparagus, I think it was. And uh, Clayton brings back some apples. Says he didn't see any signs of skitters. And, again, Hal is, you know, macking on the ladies. Uh, Clayton and Tessa's dad go out to see Pope. He smells the asparagus. And says they ruined it by boiling it. Clayton um, thanks him again for the info about the school and the kids. And he um, basically says that Weaver would, was going by the book and Mason would do anything for his boys. And uh, Clayton does leave Pope alone with Tessa's dad. who um, Pope actually killed Tessa's dad's brother. So probably not the best thing. But Pope is able to break free of his bonds with the glass that was on the ground. He takes um, a knife from the guy and actually doesn't kill him, which is interesting. 
He grabs a gun, runs away. We see him running through the forest. He grabs an apple along the way. And he discovers two members of the second mass who are dead. Those We saw Clayton kind of saying, Oh, we're going to escort the fighters back to their second mass. But no, he took them out in the woods and shot them. And uh, that's where we got our Pope quote of the week. Um, Mason and Weaver discussed the conditions of the bikes. And this is one of those times where Tom and Weaver kind of get into a little disagreement. Weaver did not assign Tom to patrol. But Tom's getting kind of impatient since there's no sign of the third. There's no sign of the skitters. There's no word from the sanctuary or the escorts. And so... Tom wants to go check that out, and Weaver just says, whatever happens, he wants them back, him and Di, as they go out. Clayton and Tessa's dad discuss what to do about Pope, but he wants to keep up appearances. He wants these people, these young kids and the the second mass people there to want to be there, but Rick is still acting really strange. He talks about how he was sick all the time, could barely catch his breath, and even asks Ben, since he was a harness kid too, how can you eat their food? And more and more throughout this whole episode, especially at the end, uh, it definitely seems Rick is more skittered than human at least at least that's how he considers himself at this point he uh doesn't doesn't seem to even consider himself human anymore which is strange but i mean we like we said we don't really exactly know all the things those harnesses do i know we've mentioned you know is it a baby skitter will it turn you into a skitter eventually you know like the doctor did say there was some stuff going on at like a like we mentioned this last week i think like a nanobot type thing going on back there or uh it's going to connect and mesh into the tissue, so don't really know what's going on there, but definitely Rick has been severely affected by the, the harness. It doesn't seem to have affected Ben as much. It definitely has improved his health as well, though. Tessa gives Hal a pass on chores, and uh, Lord just doesn't seem to like that too much. She does find Eli Russell's backpack with the little ski resort stuff on the front. Hal and Tessa outside with the sentries looking down on top of them. At this point, I noticed that Hal seems to talk like Tom Mason. Um, which is interesting, but throw that out there. Lorgers interrupts their little time alone, and uh, Mike is worried. She shows he and how the backpack, but he basically calms her fears down and says, "You know, he's it's okay. We're all right." Um, since Hal seems to think that they're more interested in looking after the second mass and keeping a watch on them rather than looking for skitters. And Mike had kind of noticed that too about how they were set up and what they were going on with their, you know, their plan, their strategy, their guard layout, all that kind of stuff. But Mike just says, you know, it's okay or whatever. But then he decides to go investigate. He goes out into the uh, the barn. He breaks in there and he finds some children's items, including some of Eli's clothes. Clayton finds him, confronts him, basically tells him what happened, how they were running from the skitters. A little girl named Megan fell behind, got taken by the by the skitters, and then she actually became um, back to them and talked to them. And the skitters told them through her all they wanted were the kids. And so basically they've made this little arrangement, kind of gone from there, that if they give them kids, they'll leave them alone. And so Mike kind of figures out all the lies that were being told, and Clayton wants um, him to understand what's going on in this messed up world and he he kind of reminds him and tries to play on the card of ricky he needs to to think of rick at this point sarah's about to have her baby she's come up with a couple different names if it's a boy or girl here's we have the little conversation about skype mike and hal talk about rick and honestly right here the way mike was talking i thought he was about to kill rick when he grabbed that gun i don't know about you guys what you were thinking his frame of mind was but i thought he was about to kill him i really did but he grabs his weapon. He tells Hal to gather the others. They're going to leave this place because of the deal Clayton made with the Skitters. 
Tessa admits she has like a crush on Hal, want him to stay, and she was gonna try to make an exception for him. She yells for her dad. The second mask kids and teens run off. Hal even has to carry one of them. Mike shoots at the fighters from the sanctuary. Rick is still acting strange as always, as they hide behind the truck. Mike is ready to sacrifice himself. He's ready to lay his life down for these others, for his son, for so they have a chance to escape. Mike tells his son he loves him. He says to stay with Hal. The music kind of swells for a moment. And then Clayton sneaks up from behind on Mike. We cut away to Hal and Rick. And we hear a gunshot in the background. um, Signifying that Mike has been killed by his friend. Or supposed friend, Clayton. Mason tells Weaver that the map doesn't check out. And since there's still no sign of the third or the escorts or the skitters. Clayton's story just is not holding up. Weaver is hesitant because he thinks his orders were from Porter. Mason isn't waiting. He's going back out. We see Hal Laudris, Matt, Ben, and the rest of the kids walking down the road. And they decide to hold up in a house for a couple of hours. They're in this house and it was actually having a sixth birthday party before it was abandoned. At some, at some point there were banners and cake that was kind of like gross and stuff. And that's when Laudris uh, finds the piano and one of her favorite songs once in Royal David City. Hal sees the cake. And that's when I was questioning, is music playing right now really the best idea? Don't think it was. Hal is about to pour a drink. Ben is looking at at Rick, kind of grabs his neck, and then he he goes to talk to Hal. Jimmy questions sending Ben out by himself, because that's Ben's idea. And uh, Hal tells Ben how to get back to the school, tells him to run all the way. Ben thanks Hal for rescuing him. Um, Hal calls him a math geek, and Ben calls him a dumb jock, just like old times, I guess. And then Ben is running. He's about to get a drink of water. And the sanctuary fighters come along. So he hides off into the woods. Sarah doesn't feel the baby moving. So, uh-oh, what's going on? The baby is breached, we learn. And they cannot go to the birth canal. Typically, this would be time for a C-section. But uh, Anne's not really prepared to do that. Weaver asks if she could move. And then he hears the word breach. And he moves towards Sarah, starts washing up. And he said he helped his wife with her with his first daughter who was breached they had the baby at home and he actually turned the baby around and so he's had experience in this before which is good i like i like getting into weaver's story a little more because that's one of those characters that we've kind of had some of those questions about he's kind of that rough exterior hasn't really talked about his family haven't hasn't really shared any details about that stuff so i thought that was really good got to get into his head a little bit more which is cool stuff all right well tom and Di are riding around looking for the attack to come, there's still nothing. And Ben comes running along. He tells some of the basics of what's happening. Uh, Mike said it wasn't safe. They ran off. Clayton's people started shooting at him. He thinks Mike's dead. And um, Tom says that Di will take you back, but he wants Ben to tell him everything first. And so we cut back over to the house where the kids are. Hal walks around Rick. Matt guesses G4, like we said earlier. Jimmy asks Rick what he's looking at, and he says, I'm waiting. Which I mean, I assume means he's waiting for orders or for a skitter to come get him or for a radio wave to activate something. I don't know. He's waiting for some sort of alien something. Maybe he's a, a undercover agent for them at this point. We really don't understand what's going on with him. But definitely something strange nonetheless. Lodgerson and Hal talk about you know what's going on with the aliens and, and Hal thinks they're going to kick their butts. But then Clayton has found the kids. Hal opens fire on him, which is good stuff. Clayton does say that he's okay with losing some of them. Um, he gives an order to have Hal shot. 
but the shooter is shot from behind. You know, is it is it Tom to the rescue? No, it was Pope. And that honestly, that was like an exciting moment. That was probably my favorite moment thus far. Probably any episode of Falling Skies. I was excited to see Pope and excited to see him helping Hal and the gang. So uh, that was cool. But as the firefight's going on, Pope does get hit in the leg. And then Tom arrives. They have kind of an exchange. And Pope tells Tom that Hal and the rest of the kids are in the house. And that Clayton has six or seven men down there. Mason takes out Pope's mag, throws it off to the side, yells to Clayton. He's coming out, says Pope's dead. Tom walks over to Clayton, offers himself as a hostage, and tells Hal, who's upset about this, that survival is the number one rule in combat. So they, um, Clayton and the sanctuary weirdos take the group back over to the sanctuary. Hal is holding Matt, and they're worried about their dad. As they're rounding up the kids, about to put them in the stable, Weaver shoots one and then a second one of Clayton's men. And the second mass is in full effect inside the house. Clayton and crew um, surrender, but it appears that he was about to go after a shot on Hal, but Tom takes him down and kills him. Um, Tom was hoping that Weaver and crew were there. He uh, had sent Ben back to get the cavalry, but he definitely wasn't 100% sure they'd be there waiting for them. Definitely wasn't expecting Ben to come back with the cavalry. Weaver says that these people can go or stay, but if he finds any of them dealing with the skitters, he'll kill them all. And now it seems Jimmy and the rest of the kids except Ben, uh, since he has saved the day. Sarah and her new baby girl, Charlotte, are doing well, and Pope has a seat in the infirmary and complains about sitting to it next to a crying baby. Tom congratulates Sarah in the delivery. But it wasn't a skitter. I was hoping it was a skitter or something, but anyway, it wasn't, so they're all good. And then we have the funeral we talked about a little bit earlier. Howl speaking, which I thought was a little strange. Um, he said that you know Mike stood his ground. He fought for them. And then Tom goes out and talks about the military funeral. Ends up saying, you know, rest easy, Mike. We'll take it from here. Audra steps up, sings her hymn. Die gives Ricky the flag. And then this is the strange little twist at the end, which, again, a good ending, which is important in a show like this. Rick says he doesn't understand how people can kill each other, that they would never do that. And... Of course, talking about the aliens, the skitters, Rick continues to act strange and says, um, you should understand that to Ben, which is just a great ending, which kind of goes back to, I think it was episode three where it ended with the skitter opening his eyes and then Ricky opening his eyes. So definitely has that skitter connection with Ricky ever since then. But yeah, good episode, probably some of the best moments of the season, not maybe the whole throughout the whole episode, but definitely a great episode this week. We're going to get into the Falling Skies 5, where we discuss the five most pivotal points of the show. All right, I'm going to say number five on my list of the top five moments. The Falling Skies 5 is Pope escapes and later shows up in time to save Hal. Um, We were missing Pope, his uh, wisecracks, and his bad boy heroicism, I guess, the last few episodes. And uh, I thought it was great that he escaped and... Definitely that he was actually helping the Masons and the rest of the kids and whatnot. thought that was really cool. I mean, like I said, that was like an exciting part of the show. I really was looking pretty bleak there for a moment with the house being surrounded and everything. And so definitely a good a good um, hero moment for Pope, which I like to see. And I guess this was kind of going to solidify him more on the side of the resistance on the second mass versus being a solo run off and leave you kind of person. I would I would assume um, that he's going to be a more valuable asset again, um, more so than just a cook or whatever. I mean, I don't know. Like, he's definitely got skills. I mean, he knows how to kill skitters, and 
He's been a leader, so definitely think he's going to be a little more important in the the realm of the second mass after this point. All right, number four on my Falling Skies 5 most pivotal moments. Number four would be Mike learns about Clayton's plan and decides to take the kids and run and even sacrifices himself to protect his son and the rest of the kids. You know, Mike has done some dumb things. Um, he's almost gotten some people killed, but when it came down to it, he trusted his instinct. He investigated. He didn't turn to the dark side. He helped um, our people escape and even sacrificed himself to save them. And that is awesome. So thanks, Mike, for your service, if you will. <laughs> I'm sure the second mass is grateful. All right. Number three on my five, Falling Skies five most pivotal moments would be Rick is not human anymore. Uh, don't We don't exactly understand what the harness has done to him, but he doesn't act, talk, think of himself as a human anymore. He thinks of himself as part of the alien race or skitter or whatever um, we want to call them. And I guess we're going to see more about that as the season goes on in the next three episodes. But Rick is definitely not human <laughs> anymore. Um, and so that's definitely some things. And that kind of goes into that whole thing with him and, and Ben. And we talked about that before. What is the deal with Ben? Like Ben doesn't seem as zombified as Rick. Ben doesn't seem as strange or as disconnected. He definitely seems different from what we understand from, from how and, and maybe Matt and Tom a little, but he doesn't seem like an alien, whereas Rick does. And so that's an interesting dynamic to see how that's going to move forward um, in the next few episodes especially since there's only three more all right number two tom arrives and helps hal and the kids trapped inside the house but allows himself to be taken hostage hoping that weaver in the second mass will be back at the sanctuary and as we soon see they are there and uh, we already talked about that in the recap is basically what happened i do think it's interesting there just how weaver man he went crazy man he just started shooting people he didn't care he just took out a couple of guys um, Tom really stepped up there and saved Hal's life at that one point, which was cool. Definitely an interesting dynamic. And I think it was interesting, too, that Weaver didn't, like, capture these people, didn't kill them people, just said, you deal with the skitters anymore, you're going to die. Which I guess we were talking about that last week. How did this happen? How did they get this deal? And we did see that Megan, the little girl from Clayton's story earlier, we don't really got into all the details, but we can find out that Megan relayed the messages from the skitters to Clayton which helped them figure out, oh, if we trade kids, we can have this little deal and be safe. And uh, I guess one thing that kind of does bring up, since I think last week we were talking about, well, how does anyone make a deal with the Skitters? Well, if this guy Clayton's made a deal with the Skitters, who else has? I mean, we I mean, have to assume if the Skitters are willing to deal with this guy, they'd probably be willing to deal with others as well. So something to think about there. All right, well, number one uh, most pivotal point, and I do think this is the most pivotal point of the show, Tom doubted Clayton um, when his story wasn't checking out and did not listen to Weaver's orders, went out on his own and found you know, what was wrong and eventually saved the day, thanks to the help of Ben, of course. And uh, we, we have seen that dynamic work out several times where Tom and, and Weaver haven't seen eye to eye, and Tom generally has pretty much always been right. He's the hero of the story, and Weaver is... Not necessarily. Um, he definitely did some cool stuff there at the end of this episode. Um, so kudos to Weaver, and I definitely think that'll con- that dynamic will continue. Um, just as we see Tom's relationship with Weaver, you know, progress, and as they move forward in the resistance, you know, are they going to move away from the school now that 
Um, as far as we know, the skitters know about where they are, even though attack apparently is not coming at this point. You know, what what's going to happen from here? And definitely Tom and Weaver's relationship is going to be very pivotal to that. But Tom doubting Clayton is the reason Hal and the kids survived and all the you know happy ending was arrived at the end of the episode, which is why I chose it for the most pivotal moment in the Falling Skies 5. All right, we're going to jump into a little bit of Falling Skies feedback. I mentioned this real briefly on the Comic-Con episode. I did get a few phone calls on the phone line, but it ended up being uh, telemarketers, not uh, anyone calling in about the show. So definitely would love for you to call in at 773-35-SKIES. Leave us a voicemail or text us to that number, too. You can do that. All right, well, over on the Facebook, we had some interaction there from one of our 80-some-odd followers, our friends or likes or whatever. Andreu, I believe is how you'd say this, said, Excellent episode last night, considering there weren't any skitters or mechs. Judging from previews, it seemed that they were saving money for the next show, which I'm really looking forward to. And then also they said, Sort of have a theory. The Harness kids are going to be the Falling Skies version of the Cylons. So by next season, we'll be wondering who's a human, who's a skitter. That's a good theory. I like that one. Andreu, and also they said, by the way, really enjoying the podcast. I'm appreciating the AAC chapter thing that you got going on. First time I've encountered that. A small suggestion, maybe. Perhaps putting in musical bumpers or something between segments. Not a chrism, just a thought. Keep up the great work. And thanks, Andreu, for um, sending in your thoughts via the Facebook page and getting a, a shout out here on the podcast. I definitely appreciate that. And I do plan to try to work in some more musical segments. Uh, I, I made some really brief little like you said bumpers um but they're like a couple seconds long hopefully in post editing uh the show tonight i can throw in some of those uh things and if you've heard them there they were so <laughs> we'll see how that goes all right and also over on facebook azucena i guess is how you would say that name says favorite show so they're enjoying fallen shies and um also we did have one uh spanish post on the wall that basically was a a a link to a Falling Skies team website. And so if if you're a Spanish-speaking listener, you might want to check that out. Um, or you could, I guess, translate it with with Google. I tried to do that. It didn't really make much sense. It says when they create or have their teams enter the website, fallingskiesteamblogspot.com, and help us build up points. And we also are self-help. 20 points is not much, but if it's something, if they'll do all the members of DOTS. So, yeah, that didn't quite make much sense, but <laughs> that's what it translated to. So, uh, if you'd like to join the conversation over Facebook, you can do that at facebook.com slash falling skiescast. We'd love to have you there. And over on Twitter, we're over um, above 400 followers, which is awesome. Thanks, everyone, who's found us over there and have a few things we want to get into from the Twitter. Over there, we have CS number one fan said, Jimmy in Georgia, how is your relative that had heart surgery? I hope he came through with following colors. Bad Robot um, 1013 said, Hey, sending provocative vibes for your brother. I literally like the podcast. Keep uh, up. Um, also, Addy Mike 55 said, How's your brother? I tried to respond to everybody. I think I did. And, uh, you know, my brother's still doing well. He's back home now. He's recovering still. Um, the nurses are still coming to visit him, make sure everything's going well. Went to his regular doctor yesterday. Everything seems to be going well there. And so a couple people responded to that saying, Great news. Glad to see that he's doing well. Don't hesitate to keep us posted. So thanks, NZ Rob FL and Addy Mike 55 for that, as well as Bad Robot 1013 and CS Number One Fan. So I appreciate you guys checking in on that. That was very really nice of you. Um, also, NZ Rob FL gave us some clout on uh, 
Cloud, if you're familiar with that, for reviews, for iTunes, for audio, and for Facebook. Uh, we had a follow Friday from several people again. Um, Jewel Phoenix, Lily Us5, F. Schmeiser, Ezeka, Kimmy XOXO, One Skitter Twitter, um, Winkleman, Bad Robot 1013, Love Chichelle G, and also a follow Friday and a message from Ezeka. Everyone keep watching this awesome show with Noah Wiley. Uh, another thing here from Lucy A. Maxwell. You're not kidding about Falling Skies. Also good. Suki Tex said, you said it, sis. Good like a foot massage. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. Um, Suki Tex also has made a, a Fran prequel webcomic. See the invasion before tonight's episode. Hope you like it. Um, I'll check that out. Um, some like, looks like pencil drawings that are on a document viewer there. If you'd like to go check out um, the link, you can find Suki Tex on Twitter. Or you can you know, find our... our um, feed there to you and, and see what's going on with that winkleman sent in the question what's going to happen tonight well we know now so yes all right one thing too i thought this was kind of interesting fred bronson he is a writer over at billboard sent in a tweet that said my billboard report on falling skies noah sorta on the music composers panel at comic-con and i uh, pulled out a, a little segment of that real br- just a brief part of it since he since he wrote the article and sent us the link um and he said that Noah Sorota, I guess he said, is a 27-year-old who was scoring Falling Skies as his first series. And here he says he revealed that he got the job when executive producer Steven Spielberg phoned him and asked if he would compose the music for the show. Elaborating later, he explained that he first met Steven Spielberg at eight years old through a family connection when when the producer was visiting Louisville, Kentucky, um, the guy's hometown. Sorta had the opportunity as a music student to play the violin for Spielberg. The famed director encouraged the young musician to continue his education and Sorota moved to Los Angeles and enrolled at USC. So I thought that was interesting. I hadn't really heard much about the composer for the show. I have enjoyed the music. Um, sometimes it definitely seems to be a little f- more featured than other times, but definitely good, good stuff. And as always, we want to thank everybody who's out there tweeting or retweeting our messages and, and stuff. We do appreciate that too. And, and one of those retweets we got also included a question. Um, that was from Lester on Twitter and retweeted a message about uh, you know, recording the show and said, why only two episodes left in season one? And technically there's three. There's the episode Sunday the 31st and then two episodes on August the 7th, which is two separate episodes put together, not a real true two-hour finale. Just like the premiere wasn't really a two-hour premiere. It was really two episodes they just put together. And I responded back to him saying, yeah, they only ordered 10 episodes this season, only ordered 10 episodes next season. His response to that was, you think with the success of the show, they'd have more episodes. And so I think that's true. Um, Walking Dead went from 6 to 12 or 13 episodes for season 2, so I know we'll see how it goes. Uh, a couple things from Get Glue. Doug checked in, said, love it. And Margie checked in, not a mediator actor in the show. Emmy worthy for sure. And there's lots of other little check-ins and likes, but I think most of those people are trying to get stickers. There's been so far 444 check-ins, 361 likes, and 171 comments over there the last time that I checked. And that was actually a couple of days ago. Um, but yeah, if you want to check into the show on Get Glue, you can do that as well. You can, there's a link to it on our Facebook page and on our website. But also if you just go to Get Glue, if you're on there, you can just search for Falling Skies and you'll see the show and our podcast. And that's pretty much going to wrap up the show for this Thursday. Again, I am sorry it's out late. And as always, I want to encourage you to be a part of the show. I know the show will be better if you're involved. I had a comment this week from someone said, hey, you know, throw in some music. That would help make the show better. I had a comment, uh, I think it was last week, where we talked about the guy who said, you know, do some more theorizing. That would make the show better or whatever. So 
Definitely would love your input on that type of thing or just your thoughts about the show, your theories about what might happen. Love to have it. So you can do that in all sorts of ways. Go to our website, fallingskiescast.com, leave a comment. Call us in at 773-35-SKIES. You can email us at fallingskiescast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter. We are The Falling Skies. Or you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash fallingskiescast. So all sorts of ways you can contact us. And uh, we would love for you to do that. We'll see you next time. If you want to stick around after the outro music here, there will be a very slight section we like to call uh, spoilers, where (laughs) it's not much. It's just the episode title and official description for next week's episode. And so if you want to hear that, stick around. And if not, we'll bid you adieu for now and hope to have you back here, um, hopefully earlier next week for episode number 15 of the show talking about the next episode of Falling Skies. So from all of us here to all of you, peace. All right, next week's episode is entitled What Hides Beneath? Tom worries about Weaver's increasingly strange behavior. Hal and Tom encounter a left-behind woman. Anna Lauders make a discovery about the skitters. Pope tries to find a more efficient way to kill Mex. And that's going to be brought to you Sunday, July 31st, 2011 on TNT at 10 p.m. And then various channels and dates and times around the world later on. And um, definitely look forward to another great episode as we're amping up for the big season finale on August the 7th with that two-hour block of episodes. So don't miss next week's episode, and don't forget to download the Fallen Skies cast episode about it. All right, we'll see you later. Peace.